Welcome to the Ryan and Nate's Business Podcast. Come listen to these two blue-collar business guys. Nate, your go-to automotive repairer, and Ryan, your local heating and air contractor, talk about business, how to help you, and hear stories from our local unsung heroes. Community matters to them, and so does a healthy business. Here's Ryan and Nate. All right, everyone. Welcome to the Ryan and Nate Business Podcast. Today we have our friend Sean Ambrose. I should say our like neighborhood friend because we run into each other. We see each other at um, business get-togethers, local business get-togethers around the area. We're going to hear all the story, but you've been around. You've had your family funeral home business for a long time. It is from the very beginning. I learned before we hit record that you also were a waiter. I was. Okay, that's where I learned a lot about the service industry. Okay, that's interesting. And at the heart of it, it's all service, is what we yeah, talked it's about. Yeah, service industry. Yeah. That's cool. So, fixing right. cars, fixing HVAC. Yeah, tell me how you started, family business, how did it start, how did you get involved? The family business started in the 30s down in Pigtown. Oh, really? My grandfather, his mom, and Gary Kaufman's uncle, Kaufman Funeral Homes over at Meadow Ridge Memorial Park in Elk yep. Ridge, yep. his uncle, they all started it. And within a few years, my grandfather bought out Mr. Kaufman, and they moved over to Franklin Town Road, which the city said, we want to put Route 40 through your place. <laughs> so he moved out to the country, to Arbutus, in the early 40s, and we've been here ever since. Okay. We uh, also started a facility over in Lansdowne, but they're both in 21227. Okay, both in Lansdowne and right around the corner from here. Yeah, but the first person in my family to have a hearse wasn't my grandfather, though. Okay. His great-uncle ran Moonshine. Oh, really? And I think that's uh, Howard, Howard Ambrose. I think that's where he got the idea. I never got to ask him, but I'm pretty sure Uh, that's where he got the idea. All right. He ran Moonshine in a hearse. Mm -hmm. I assume that's how they did it back in the day, was running in hearses? We did. Or or at least Howard did. (laughs) Because I think back then, I don't think they wanted to go ahead and look in the casket to make sure. Yeah. Okay. Because embalming wasn't all that prevalent. Do you have a picture of this thing? Oh. I don't. Like, because I'm a car guy. Like, what kind of cart? Is it a Packard? Packard. It was a Packard hearse. That I do know. What year would that have been? I mean, late 20s. Late 20s, right? I would say late 20s, probably. Very early 30s. His family live around the area as well. Okay. And he was running Moonshine in Baltimore. One went to D.C. and one went to Baltimore. They lived in West Virginia in Grafton. Okay, so they made the moonshine in West Virginia, mm-hmm. and they used hearses. Yep. Back then, we didn't have highways either, so that was a drive. <laughs> yeah, it was. That was like West Virginia mountain drive. <laughs> Very cool. Full of moonshine. That's a good story. So, I think one on the way here called you, you said the difference between cremation and getting buried in the backyard. Were you being serious about that? Hey, let's talk about it all. All right, yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. We'll start there, and then we'll get into more controversial stuff in a minute. All right. Let me back up one moment before we get there, because that's a big subject. Okay. You also said, how did I get started? Yeah. Because you asked about the business and, and me. I was to be an acupuncturist. Oh, really? Yeah. It didn't work out. Mm. It seems like it's a tough trait. I don't know. Yeah? I, I never got to do it. We know a handful of acupuncturists from a marketing school we go to. Yeah. Somehow they end up there. They're always interesting people, at the very least. Did you go to school and it didn't work out afterwards? or I was graduating from Baltimore School for Massage and Catonsville Community College for Mortuary Science around the same time. Hmm. And I was going to Santa Barbara Institute of Oriental Medicine for that. Okay. But in the time that I graduated to where I was going to leave, my dad got sick. 
and mm-hmm. I was the only one in the, in the family at the time that had their funeral directing license. Oh. And they said, would you mind watching the business for a moment? Yeah. And about six months later, they came back and said, we know you don't want the business, so we're going to sell. And oh, okay. at that point, I had already been bitten and went, nah, I like it. I would like to continue. Sounds like it's a wonderful life, like Jimmy Stewart. Like, dad was in it. He either had to take it over or it would go kaput. Well, no, they could have sold and made yeah. some money on it. But my brother and I, just, right after I took over, my brother quit working at UPS and he came with me too. So him and I have been running the business for about 26 years. How do you like working with your brother? Because I love my brother, but I don't know if I could run a business with him. <laughs> working with family can be difficult. Yeah. But we do completely <laughs> different things. Yeah. So you just have to pick your battles. That's all. I'm sure we drive each other crazy. Yeah, yeah. Is one more organized than another? He's very well organized. Yeah. I am not. Who has all the ideas about innovation or let's do things this way, that way? Him and I come from so many different places. It's one or the other. Yeah. What he doesn't Depending think of, I subject. do. And a lot of his children are involved in it, too. There's like four or five other family members that work there with us. Okay. So you got to have the last thing to be on the resume to work there? No. No? Mm-mm. Okay. Not at all. Yeah, how many people does it take to run a funeral home? I think we got between 40 and 50 employees. Wow. That's a lot more than I thought. A lot of them are part-time and as needed. Mm -hmm. A lot of them are part-time receptionists or part-time drivers. Mm. Sometimes I'll have two funerals in a day. Right. Is there a lot like going on downstairs and upstairs? Like I imagine you don't want 40 employees to be, not that they're ever there at the same time, but it's not a restaurant like people milling around, but there's a lot of work to be done. Correct. I assume you want it to be hidden. Yeah. Most of it's working on the files and such. Oh, really? Mm Mm-hmm. So I guess it's a lot of paperwork, I assume? Yeah. Yeah. Either paperwork or on the computer. Yeah. That's interesting. How much of the business is, we can get into the, is it okay to be cremated or buried on your property kind of thing, but like, how much of it is governed by the laws? I mean, it's got to be every aspect of it. We are governed pretty hard. We're very regulated by the government. Yeah. Okay. Does it get harder and harder over the years, or does the administration matter at all? I don't think that would matter, but over the years, is the same government rules from 1980 to now? OSHA makes up all kind of rules. Okay, so it's And OSHA. they keep implementing them. As we change, so do they. Yeah. Yeah, OSHA's difficult to deal with. Oh, yeah, for sure. I'm for sure, sure you know that. Yeah, I do. I do. You guys were chatting about cremation and such. We're putting in a crematory at our Lansdowne facilities very soon. Is that what they were talking about on the Facebook pages? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because the 21227 page is wild. (laughs) (laughs) So I've heard. I don't really go onto social media, but I've heard. Yeah, it's insane. It gets a lot of foot traffic just because people saying their feelings, thoughts, everything. Is that a hard sell for a neighborhood? Like, is there exhaust that comes from that or like... Well, of course, there's going to be a little exhaust, but the filtration systems that we use are so great that no one's going to ever notice anything about that, and it's only going to be operable at night. Okay. And it's only going to be ours. We're not opening it up to the public. It's just our business. Yeah. Because, I mean, we took over, and it was 7% cremation. We're over 50 in 25 years, 26 years. That's a huge jump. Yeah. And it probably won't top out to about 75 around here, I would assume. Okay. And how do you hire a guy who cremates people? You split that one on Indeed or what? (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to have to get back to you on that one. Yeah, still figuring it out. We're not open just yet, but we'll get there. I'll let you know on a later date. You haven't solved that problem yet? Nah, not yet. (laughs) Well, yeah, my wife's friend does. She does something with dead people. Her name's Lauren. I'm pretty sure she works for you. I'm not sure. If not, maybe she wants a job. Yeah, I don't know. Lauren works for Slack. Okay. Funeral homes. Okay. What's your buddy's first name? 
Lauren was her first name. Her married last name, I don't know. Marino? Marino, yes. Yep, that's where she works. Yeah. I was like, well, babe, what she do for a living? She's like, she works with dead people. I was like, okay. Yeah. Same title as I have, I believe. She's a funeral director. Uh, okay. Yeah, I know there was like chemicals you have to deal with. And you mentioned earlier about in the early 20s that they weren't looking in hearses for moonshine because the smell stuff couldn't get taken under control. You got to realize the time frame. Embalming mm-hmm. really became a thing during the Civil War. Okay. Like battlefield embalming was how our trade really got developed okay. quickly. Because the people wanted to see their deceased loved ones. Yeah. And that's how they got back there. That's interesting. So it hasn't always been a thing prior to the Civil War. I guess it was just like, homeboy's dead. Mm-hmm. Let's go make a fire. Yep. Right? Yeah. Pretty yeah. much. Or Barry. Yeah, or Barry right away. We were talking earlier about the fact that in, back at that time they had parlors, right? Right. Well, in the house. That's where you house, were laid out. It was with a parlor. You'd lay your loved one out in your home and people would come to it. I've done that a couple of times, and I actually had to seek out, because the doors were a little too small, I had to seek out the rollers for the window. I actually mm. did one in Butcher's Hill in Baltimore, okay. where they have the super big windows, and I just rolled the casket in through the window. Hmm. That's the thing you don't want anyone to see, right? Like, that happens before everyone gets there. Did you ever see that I mean, video of the lady falling underneath the casket, like they're carrying her, and her body falls under? No. Oh, God, I'm glad I never saw that. Dude, uh, that was gross. Oh, that could scare the heck out of me. Yeah. <laughs> I think I quit that day. All right, so 50 employees, you have to manage a lot. It seems like you guys are growing. You're seeing more opportunities for growth. Is it because deaths are increasing? People are coming to you more? Hmm. What's going on? I think maybe we're being called more. Yeah. I think the population's increasing around this area. Yeah. I think there's a larger aging population around here. Yeah. Because a lot of people stay around the area. Yeah, I think those three would probably be. Yeah, I mean, we bought our house around the corner, and it was, you know, an old couple mm-hmm. passed away in the house, and it was a state sale. It was quick. It was like, who wants to bid on the house? We're like, we do. All right, cool. Done. But that's been a lot of people on our street, too. It's like, I feel like our street is like young family with kids, old people that don't come outside. Young people with kids, old people that don't come outside. But I feel like that's what the neighborhood is, which I'm absolutely, that's what I love about it. I mean... Last night at 9.30 p.m., I called a guy, was just talking to him, and I was walking barefoot around the neighborhood, and I was like, you know, it's just a bunch of old people and kids, so, like, it's not that bad. It's kind of like Mayberry around here. Yeah. Yeah, you guys have been here a long time. Mm-hmm. Sure have. And my mom still lives 20 houses up from the funeral home. Yeah, so I'm about to finish up my trust, and I imagine one of the questions is, do you want to get buried or do you want to get cremated? So what's my answer? I just changed mine. Really? Yeah, I want to be composted. Okay. Is that a third option? Is composted the same thing as cremation? No, it is not. It's a new viable option that several states have said okay to, Mm -hmm. and more are going to be on the way. All right. Maryland being rather liberal, I can see that one coming pretty soon. What's the other option? Well, there's burial, there's cremation, and now composting. Okay. The composting, it's a machine that takes about a month to two to turn you into compost. Really? I'm assuming it's not in your family garden out back. Well, that's where you could be put, but... The process happens... In a machine. Okay. And it's like a composting thing. I don't know the exact details. Is it one person at a time? Like... Yes. (laughs) Yes. Got another one, Johnny. From what I understand, yeah, each each little space is for each individual person. Is this so much like going in for like a suntan or the tanning salon kind of thing? Like a little booth? A little bit longer. Okay. Okay. 
Yeah. So why do compost thing? Yeah. I don't want to be buried. Right. I just don't. And because I didn't want to be buried, I figured, well, there's only two. I'll go cremation. Mm -hmm. But now with another option, I think I'd rather do that. Okay. It sounds better. It sounds better to me. I don't want to leave a grave. Mm -hmm. I don't feel the necessity for that. Okay. Is grave spots an issue? Yeah, space an issue. Mm, not here. New okay. York New York City, sure. Hmm. Places that don't have a lot of land, yeah, not here. Okay. And so why not get buried if it's not an issue? Because I always thought, oh, you should get cremated because there's not a plethora of plots out there. Plus a plot is expensive, so it's like, it just makes more economical and logical sense to do cremation. Well, that and you're not going to close that lid on me forever. I just can't. I'm too claustrophobic. Yeah. <laughs> All right. You'll get up and get But out. you love the sun? I, yeah. Or compost? Mm -hmm, so what do you do with your body when you're composted? That's going to be my next question. Like, what yeah. does, a fam does a family get? These dad's grapes, you know what I mean? Like You could put me into a garden. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah, sure. I wonder if that would be the best garden ever. I got so many questions. Like, so cremating, you're removing so much. It's down to, a, in my estimation, a little pile. Composting is more volume. I think it is, yeah. The, where okay. the cremation volume is about a five-pound bag of sugar. Okay. The composting, I don't know yet. I just like the idea. I got to look more into that. Okay. Well, I feel like when you get cremated, it's like your kids might care, but then after that, like if someone gave me my grandfather's ashes, I'd be like, don't give that to me. I don't want it in my house. Mm -hmm. Where am I going to put it? Did I tell you my moving story ever? Oh, great. I helped a family move. I'll make this quick. Did you drop their ashes, dude? No. It was one of those grab-and-go. Like, yeah. Thirty people showed up to this house to help his family move. Grab mm -hmm. and go, grab and go, and so I go into the garage and I pick up this box. Mm -hmm. It looks like a cake box. Yeah, and I put it on a dolly and I take it out to the truck. Dude, it weighed nothing. Yeah, and then I get to the new place and uh -huh. I happen to get the same box again. Uh huh. And I opened the box up and it looked like a styrofoam cake. Mm -hmm. Like it looked like a cake, but it was styrofoam and it had a sailboat on it. Okay, I remember this. So then I'm going into the house, and the father was there at the door, and I said, hey, what is this thing? And he goes, oh, that's grandma. <laughs> yeah. He said that was designed to, like, I guess her ashes were in there. Mm -hmm. And you're supposed to float it out in the water, mm -hmm. and then the styrofoam dissolves, and then the ashes go down into the water. They but never my did thing that. was two years, grandma's in the garage mm -hmm. on the top shelf underneath the badminton racks. Yeah. And 30 people were coming to the house to move, and no one thought to, hey, can you go grab grandma and put yeah. her in the front of the truck maybe? Right. No, I'm just like grabbing grandma randomly out of the garage. But it, it had been two years, and they hadn't gotten together yet to figure out the whole family to get to do the, the ceremony. That's and something I, that's needed. Got to get that done. Like, so if I'm cremated, someone better have a plan for me. I don't want to be in a garage plan underneath the badminton racks. Plan it yourself. Okay. They won't. If you don't plan it, they won't. Okay. Especially for cremation. I also have a friend that wants to have a Viking funeral. He wants to be floated on the water and then... A, I'll brush up on a, that. And then a, I'll brush up on that arrow. one. Yeah. Is, who does that? The funeral director? Or can you have... At my place, sure. <laughs> I get to do that one. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> well, that one statement when I said, you're not going to close the casket on me. Mm -hmm. Like, everybody always asks, what's one of the weirder things you've been told? Yeah. I uh, was going to bury somebody, uh -huh. and the cemetery told me they can't be buried there. They must be cremated. So I went to my friend. It was her father-in-law, and I said, mm -hmm. can't bury your father-in-law there unless he's cremated. She goes, mm -hmm. fine, I'll ask. You'll ask who? She yeah. oh, it's my father-in-law. I have it like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> like, cool. Let me know what happened. <laughs> yeah. She comes back and says, he says it's fine, but wait seven days. 
Okay. I'll bite. Why am I waiting seven days? Mm-hmm. She said, because that way the body and the soul are completely detached. Okay. So she might be crazy. She yeah. might be, but she might have a gift that I don't know about. So in my prearrangements, <laughs> I went, please wait for eight days. <laughs> you're at, so you're just editing your own I am. as you go along. Yeah, it's getting safe. It was like one more day, please. Yeah, it occurred That's to awesome. me as we were coming in here, I was like, some of the people that have the best stories are people that like work weddings or I imagine also working funerals. So thank you for that story. Sure. Any others, please just keep them coming because right you see the behind the scenes. Like we're weird. All of us people are weird. We are. And you see people in a vulnerable time. There's all kinds of things I imagine that happen. Yeah, I mean, you got to have like endless like people come. We don't have the money. This suddenly happened. I mean, it's got to be endless. That's why we're one of the only funeral homes that offer a payment plan. Uh, You'll really? pay a third down or something, and then over time we'll let you pay money off. Uh, but wow. we don't charge financings. Mm. You owe me a dollar, you pay me a dollar. How many people don't follow up on that commitment? That's when our lawyer comes into play. Okay. We're very easy to deal with unless you don't. Yeah. No, I mean, you know, a lot of the bigger HVAC companies, some of them are like, why pay a financing company when you can be the financing company? Mm-hmm. Um, if yeah. they have that kind of capital in the bank. So, you know, I was like, well, that sounds like a logistical nightmare. Yeah. I will tell you one thing. If you like stories, sometimes graves can be stories just by the markers. Mm-hmm. I serve the Romani population in Baltimore. Gypsy? Mm-hmm. Yep. They love their markers. Mm. Do you know where Western Cemetery is? No, I don't think so. Take Caton Avenue. Come out of the city on Wilkins. Irvington? Yeah, go, go, yeah. Go I didn't know it was there. called that. Okay. But, um, it's huge. It's right on the corner of Hilton and 40. There is a huge mausoleum. It's just like a centerpiece. On top of the mausoleum is a grill of a Rolls Royce made out of granite. Cool. They have the whole thing excavated with pavers. Mm-hmm. There's a picnic table that's made out of granite. It's got a card game carved into the top of it, Baccarat. Mm. They've got a grill that you can flip burgers on right next to it made out of granite. Hmm. That's next to a golf bag. That's next to a craps table. Huh. They're really neat. I didn't even know you could do something like that. I bury a lot of that population up in New Jersey. And one of the cemeteries up there has a, it's a full ledger. A ledger is a granite top over top of the grave the entire thing and it's almost to scale a limousine oh wow it's a mercedes limousine it's like a three-quarter scale do it up i mean egyptians made the pyramids right mm-hmm. uh, the aliens did sure yeah. or the aliens whatever <laughs> whatever whatever uh you can't not fall into controversy i don't think we can get into that one right? <laughs> oh, i'm all about theories all right cool did you increase numbers a ton during covid a ton? No, but it was a significant difference okay. in, our, in our volume that we had that year. Mm-hmm. Not from what you're thinking. Yeah. I never saw the increases in death because of COVID. Okay. I see that more in the opioid epidemic than I do anything else. Right. But we had to think outside the box. Mm-hmm. And we watched some of our families, what they were doing. In the beginning, I asked my staff, I said, what are you guys willing to do? Mm-hmm. And they all said, we've worked around disease all of our lives. It's what causes death a lot. Yeah. I'm not scared about it. Whatever the governor will let us do, we'll do. Yeah. And we wound up having, you know, when you can only have 10 people, one of them was my staff mm-hmm. or myself. And then the other nine were the family members. We had one family that scheduled their entire family. Go, How are we going to do this? I've got a large family. Mm-hmm. And what they did is aunt so-and-so and uncle so-and-so came for 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. Then their kids came. 
then somebody else came for 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. They really scheduled the whole family out. Hmm. And we watched that, and we started doing that ourselves and telling families about that. But we also wanted more people to see, so we would stream a lot of stuff. Got it. While we were streaming, some funeral homes in the area put onto their websites no viewings at all. Mm -hmm. And in my thinking, if the nursing home is telling you you can't see your loved one, and the hospital is telling you you can't see your loved one, I am not going to be the one to tell you you can't come in and see your loved one. Right. Just, it's not going to happen. Yep. So we streamed a lot, and people saw the streaming, and were mm-hmm. calling us saying, can I use you and come see my loved one? Mm-hmm. And that's what I think was a change in their volume, was because we were doing whatever we could for families. Gotcha. I mean, it's just basic service. Mm-hmm. You're coming up with a way to serve people. Yeah, no, that's really cool that you did that. I mean, because a lot of people, anxiety aside of COVID and just, you know, friends dying and stuff like that. I mean, and not even just the people who are dying from COVID, but like you said, it was the epidemic. You know, and just, hey, this person died from an overdose on fentanyl or whatever it was. But only 10 people were allowed in the funeral home or nine or whatever. So I think it's really cool that you did that and figured out a way to be innovative because you probably brought a lot of closure to a lot of families that year we had more than one viewing where it was only one person because that person had covid right and they couldn't be around anybody but they needed to see him right whatever they need right you're there so you didn't see an uptick because of covid because of people dying from covid but you saw an uptick because you were pretty much the only one open willing to allow the families to view gotcha so you're the only one willing to allow the families to view i don't know about the only one Mm-hmm. But I know I know that there were several funeral homes in the area that said no viewings. I don't know how many. Mm-hmm. I'm sure some of them were like we are and allowed that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so tell me about the academic. When did that come online? Because you've been doing this for a hundred and some years. The epidemic? Mm-hmm. The epidemic. God, it feels like it's been forever. Yeah. I mean, in my 26 years, it's been prevalent for most of them. Yeah. It's, it almost seems like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I don't really have an answer for that one. How emotional do you get being in the position that you're in? I mean, I assume you know every single cause of death that comes through the door. How emotional do you get when someone says this, that, or the third? Or do you carry any of that? Like, because that's a big part of your role, just figuring that out. If the person's too close to me, I have to hand that off. I can't do the funeral. Yeah. If it's a really tight friend of mine or one of my family members that I'm really close with, I I just can't. Right. I don't. Some people can separate that. I can't. Yeah. No, I imagine some so. people work better through it, and I just I just step away and let somebody mm-hmm. that's not grieving do it because they're better at it. Gotcha. Do you end up knowing people like a large percentage? You end up knowing either directly or kind of indirectly because of the community we were in. Of course, right. My father, a long time ago, I might have been fifteen. He goes, okay, you're going to go make the announcements at the end of the funeral today. I go, oh, no, I can't. There's no way I could do that. Why? My friends are out there. They're going to make fun of me. He kind of put his arm around me and goes, they're always going to be your friends. I thought he was going to say they're always going to make fun of you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, my friends do, so yeah, Yeah, they're going to. And how old were you? About 15 or 16. 16, something like that. That was some good dad advice. Yeah. Yeah, you get a lesson in life early. Something you got to go do. Have at it. Yeah. What have you learned about people? Before we started, you were telling me all the things you're learning. You're learning guitar. Spanish. Spanish and chess, yes. you said. Yeah. yeah. I think I'll round it out right now. I don't think I need anything you're else. Done. You're done. Okay. So you're a student. You're a person that learns. I love to, yeah. Yeah. What have you learned about people? They all want something different. They all want to be approached differently. 
Hmm. Like I said before, I was a waiter before this, and it's one thing you do as a waiter and as a funeral director. When you're first meeting with somebody, you're figuring out, well, how should I approach them? Do they want to be left alone? Do they want to be talked to? It's hmm. so many different ways you can approach them. You just have to kind of read them first. Yeah. Yeah, a friend of mine's a marriage counselor, and he says, uh, how do you want to be dealt with when someone close to you dies? Do you want to be smothered and snuggled and talked to a lot, or do you want to be separate or somewhere in between and, you know, recluse? And the reason why he asks that is because however you show up when someone close to you dies is typically how you're going to show up if you're sick or if you're, you know, going through a hard time. Like, you know, my wife and I are somewhat opposite on what we want in that moment. And we can communicate based on that saying like, Hey, I had a stressful day. I need to be left alone. She is, I had a stressful day. I want you to talk to me about it. That's why he asked that question in marriage counseling. That's pretty good. Yeah. So that goes into what you're saying of mm-hmm. everyone wants something different. Yep. Yeah, no doubt. Do you have people that are just absolutely like a little too needy or is it just run with the program and people run with it? This is one industry where you deal with everyone Yeah. eventually. Mm. And yes, there are those. Mm-hmm. It's the gambit. It's everybody that we deal with. Yeah. Yeah. What's a successful day look like for you versus a non-successful day? When the clients are contented, yeah, I'm not looking for happy. That's that's pushing it. As long right. as they were satisfied with what happened. Gotcha. Very cool. Yeah, I, lo- I love doing what I do. Yeah, we ask this a lot. We have superheroes in our studio here, but we ask this a lot to people. What's your superpower? And it could be you, or by extension, your company, Ambrose. Well, since we're talking about the funeral home, we'll go there. Our superpower is when we f- first took over. My brother and I, we looked at we didn't have the million-dollar facilities or the multi-million-dollar facilities, Mm -hmm. and we realized you don't really need that. What you do need, especially in this industry, is caring and compassion Mm -hmm. and just doing whatever the family – as long as it's within reason, whatever the family wants. Mm -hmm. The worst word we have around that funeral home is no. Right. Funeral directors don't like to say that. We like to do whatever we can for families. I think that would probably be our superpower at Ambrose. Yeah, that's really good. That applies to any business, right? You said you didn't have the million-dollar facility. Right. We all have limitations, and sometimes we start thinking, oh, we can be X once we have Y, but instead saying, hey, I'm going to care for people, and then the rest of it comes. I was the partner back then that was thinking, we need to expand. We need to get bigger. Our facilities need to be bigger. We don't have enough. And my brother always said, no, we're good. We just just keep doing what we do. We're going to be fine. Hmm. And he was right. We didn't need to add the million-dollar facilities. It would have probably handcuffed us a little bit hmm. had we done that. Hmm. And if you said it, I missed it. When you came on and took over, did they have the two locations? Yes. Okay. Yeah, but what he's saying about the million, like, that's yeah. a big deal. Cause it's I a see, very big deal. I see so many guys, they need the next thing or, you know. I think that's what I've learned in the last couple of years is I just need to stop. Like, good enough is good enough, you know. Typically, before summer hits, I mean, I hire a ton of guys. And this year, I'm just like... We're just keeping the same amount of guys we had last year. And if we do better, we do better. Great. And just keep it that way. You know, some of it comes ambition, but other parts of it is you feel like, oh, this is what I do next, or I'm used to doing it. And having that control or the realization to say, hey, this is good enough, can stop you from getting handcuffed. Because I feel like last year, I got really prepped for growth. Then it didn't happen. I just kind of stayed steady. And then I had all these guys, and you're like, what am I going to do? And, you know, you're trying to figure it out. And it really did handcuff me. Yep. So that's why I'm not making that mistake again. So we should have this podcast a year ago. (laughs) 
No, plain. But every lesson's good. That's one of the good reasons to be in business with your family. Yeah. Because that was one thing my brother always said. No, we don't need that. Just watch. Mm -hmm. It'll be fine. Mm -hmm. And he was right. I don't need all the new stuff. Yeah. Because my business, you really can't reinvent the wheel. It is what it is. Right. Well, unless it's composting. (laughs) (laughs) Where is the cremation facility going? Uh, Lansdowne. Okay. Over on uh, 3rd and Hammonds Ferry. Gotcha. And where's the composting facility going to go in? Seattle. Seattle? (laughs) That's where it's legal now. Washington, Oregon, California, New York, and one other, I believe. Okay. I think Michigan. Could you imagine becoming governor and just like having all these issues come up and be like, oh, do you want composting or not? And you're like, uh, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. you're like, oh, I mean, like on the ballot? Yeah. Just like, hey, these are things you got to decide today. Right. You know? No, I could never get into politics. Oh, uh, yeah. Mm-mm. I don't know about you guys, but I couldn't. You'd never be able to make anyone happy. And you always have to make the lesser of two evil decisions. There's no not evil decision in politics. So There's enough politics in business for me that <laughs> I don't want to go actually get into politics. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah. So you're a leader. We already talked a little bit about how you are always learning. The other question we ask people is like to get a sense of you as a leader, like what's inspiring you lately? What's the last like book you've read or movie that you've watched that you've loved and get, gotten inspired from? Jonathan Livingston Siegel book. Okay. It's either Richard Bach or Richard Bachman. One of them wrote Jonathan Livingston Siegel, and the other one is Stephen King's pen name. So make sure you don't mess those up. Uh, okay. The first one's a, he writes philosophical books. And Jonathan Livingston Siegel was a book from probably the 70s. I've read it several times. I just really like it. I've reread it. And it's um, about being your best seagull self. Okay. Doing what it is that you, as a seagull, love. It's a pretty neat book. Yeah. Sweet. Good. So I selfishly ask that question because I always want to know like what book I need to read next. So I'd go with that one and then Illusions by him. By the same person? Okay. Mm-hmm. Cool. Or The Tao of Pooh. Yeah. <laughs> but I'll stop there. I love to read. <laughs> All right. Very well, cool. thanks for being on. I'm now going to go look into composting. Yeah, I'm like, I don't know. Got to make a decision on my uh, trust. How do people stay in touch with you and your funeral home? Always call me at the funeral home or they could reach me on my cell. Okay. All right, we'll link it to the podcast so that people can connect with you if they'd like to. Thanks. Thanks for what you do for our community. Because you serve people. Thanks for not saying no. Yeah. Making a difference, making people feel welcome and comfortable. It's a big deal. Yeah. Thanks, guys. You serve people in a very unique way. It's a big deal. Appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you very much. All righty.